0: Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. This is your host, Court Dunn here, and today we actually don't have a guest. Today we are going to do something special. We've had a lot of learnings, we've had a lot of great guests from various uh, walks of life and who have worked on really great projects. And uh, there are a lot of great learnings in there. So we wanted to actually go back, look through those episodes, pull out all those insights that inspired us and that we think would really inspire you. So we hope you take something away from this and uh, enjoy the show. Today's guest is John Patton Ford. John is a writer and a director who went to school for directing. His thesis film, Patrol, premiered at the 2010 Sundance Film Festival and made the short list for the 2011 Academy Awards. He's now a writer of feature films. The
1: first thing to, to do was just not let uh, the haters fucking hit you. <laughs> right. The amount of bad advice is staggering. People giving you advice. and people start giving you advice, listen to them, absorb it, but then also think about who they are and where they're coming from. They may not really know, and they may be full of fears and insecurities that are very unproductive for you, you know? I would say make short films, but don't focus on them exclusively. Also write features. That means you got to read features. So read feature scripts. And I'd go further. I'd say read feature scripts that have not been produced yet. When people read features, they oftentimes go back and read like, you know, Back to the Future or something. That doesn't count, man. You've already seen the movie. You're envisioning them. No, no, no. You need to read something you've never seen. That is how you identify what good writing is. Because if you read it and like it, Think about how meaningful that is. You know, you had nothing to reference. So definitely, definitely, definitely learn to write. Because if people do start noticing you as a filmmaker, they're only going to be like, give us some material, you know, give us a script. Every single time. Nobody, nobody breaks as a director now. Nobody. I can think of one guy, (laughs) my friend Jordan, who made Kong Skull Island is the only fucking dude I know who doesn't write scripts and never did. One out of thousands. And he's like a, he was like a funnier die video guy. So I would say learn to write. It's also really empowering as a filmmaker to have the ability to write. The directors who are working now who don't have that ability are kind of limited. Like they, They're limited to the material that they get.
0: And they might not get good material. So they end up making movies that aren't that great. Today's guests. We have three guests. J.D. Sanderson, Stan Cho, and Matt Kelly. J.D. is a science fiction author whose first novel, A Footstep Echo, is on sale now. The sequel, The Clocks Now, is coming out in summer 2019. Stan is a writer and artist of both traditional and mobile comic books and published his first comic on Webtoon earlier this year. And Matt Kelly is a senior copywriter and writer of comic books, including Highlander and an upcoming comic with Stan Cho, who's also on the episode with Matt being the writer and Stan being the artist. The
2: one piece of advice I would give would be to just be original. You know, I mean, it's, there is no such thing as a perfect publication. There's no such thing as a perfect book, a perfect graphic novel. There's always something we wish we could go back and, and do better. But as long as I think you're, you're trying to come up with an original idea or put an original spin on something, I think you're going to be happier with yourself. I know that I, you know, I, did I sell as many books as, as I wanted to in the first year? No. But, you know, I'm happy with the product I put out and I'm even more happy with the second book. I've also got a short story that's going to be published soon in a, uh, in a magazine. So I'm just, you know, as long as I keep approaching things from an original vantage point, I'll be happy with what I do.
3: Yeah. I would break it down to just one question writers need to ask themselves is, is it a vanity project or is it a profit project? And, um, if, if it's a vanity project, you know, just do whatever you want. It's you have nothing holding you back. You just make what makes you happy. If it's not a vanity project, in my eyes, it's, it's something that's aiming to get an audience. And once you're in that camp, you have a lot of work to do because you have to get a bead on what's hot. You have to get a bead on, is your project easy to communicate to people who are gonna either fund it or, or stand behind it? You know, you have less chance to be original. You can put an original twist on something like JD said, but you can't be totally original because no one's going to listen to you. You know, they'll listen to you 20 years later when they found out that you were a genius and you were 20 years ahead of the game, but you're not allowed to be that original. You have to really ingest a lot of sort of visuals and design. And again, you know, the landscape, you know, what is the landscape, you know, You have to incorporate that into the visuals that you attach to your writing piece. You know, your writing piece, your pitch, whatever it may be, will be infinitely more valuable and infinitely more ingestible if it has even one promotional art piece attached to it. That will be your most important art piece. That's the one you have to repeatedly show to everybody. It's kind of like, oh, we need fresh content. Uh, No, if you're pitching something that's new you only need one art piece and you only need to keep showing that art piece re- refining it until it is as crystal clear in describing what your movie is about and it, it it doesn't have to be a piece that describes your story to a T it has to give a feeling and that that feeling you can learn about how to create an art piece or how to art direct as a writer you or you're only going to be able to art direct the piece Or, you know, if you're a writer artist, that's another thing. But let's just assume you're a writer and predominantly a writer and you want to hire an expert to create a promotional art piece. The way to learn about how to make promotional art pieces is to, you know, again, absorb whatever's around you, Um, especially movie posters, you know, study movie posters, look at movie posters and ask yourself, what feeling does this give me? And then look at your own for-profit project and think about how can I make a poster that gives me a feeling that i'm trying to convey and chances are again this is not an original idea because you're not allowed to be super super original you know when you're dealing with you know these people who are going to fund your project usually so it's been done before so you know seek out the movie posters that conveyed that feeling for you in the past you know dig them up you know dig them up on the internet, find out what they look like and say, and give that to your artist and say, I want it to look like this and this with these colors from, and it could be from five different projects, but that's where you're communicating your idea to the artist to create this awesome promotional piece. That's going to be a big part of making that project happen for you.
2: I'm sorry. I just wanted to jump in because um, something Stan said is absolutely, absolutely true. I'm glad he said it because um, three of the seven rejections I got my first round of rejections were all basically the same thing. We don't know what to do with this. It's a cool story. We like it. Can't market it. So he's right. You have to You have to play the game a little bit. So I just wanted to say, I, was, I, wanted, I wish I had mentioned that. So thank you, Stan. You said it better than I could.
4: This is a mandate for all um, aspiring writers, beginning writers. Start small. Don't make your magnum opus right out of the gate because one, it's going to be terrible. So you don't want your big thing to be bad, do you? And two, if you're a beginning writer, no one's going to want to read your magnum opus right away because they're going to look at it and be like, you've never written anything before? Like, what do I have to go on? So start small. Make the small thing as good as it can be. So it can be your calling card. So you get give it to someone. They're like, oh, wow, this is good. And it didn't take me too long to read it. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. So the next time you do come along with the thing that's maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little more complicated, they're going to be willing to give you more time because time is money. And uh, so start small. And uh, that way, you're also going to get it, your first project done. Because if you start big, you might not get it done, and then you'll never get anything done. So Today's guest
0: is Michael Marisi. Michael is the author of the novels Black Star Renegades and We Are Mayhem through St. Martin's Press. Also writer of comics including Roche Limit, Wasted Space, Archie, and Star Wars.
4: The thing that I'll say uh, that I think is really important, besides getting your foot in the door... One thing I'll say in terms of, like, you mentioned, like, uh, not having a shortage of work, which is true. I've been very fortunate. I've worked very hard. Uh, you yeah, I write a lot, lot of different things. Uh, and, and I think the key for me from, like, making that transition from, like, a writer who has a day job to writing as a day job was uh, diversifying what I do. This industry, uh, whatever writing you want to do, like I said, I'm more entertainment, pop culture. But even if you're doing literary fiction, if you're doing straight up fantasy uh, romance whatever it's very hard it's very hard no matter what channel you're going you know traveling down whatever, whatever the journey you're, of a writer is to make it professionally is remarkably difficult just out of the bare finances of it so you know we want to have this idea we want to have you know we want to have a pool you know a pool is our career we want we in our heads, we want to have one giant hose filling that pool you know like i write novels and the novel hose fills my pool but what's probably more realistic, at least I think was definitely more realistic, is like many hoses filling your pool. You know, like I I do comics and I write novels and I also write video games. And then I do, you know, other stuff I teach here and there, uh story, you know, story workshops. Um I do speaking engagements, stuff like that. And I do a lot of different things that bring in income. And everybody, most people that I know, I think everybody I know is doing that in one form or another. Even if you're just writing comics, you know, friends of mine who write comics will write like marvel you know superhero comics but they also write their own comics at the same time and right. are doing something else so just doing one thing it's it'd be great but it's just not real unless you're like you know brand Sanderson or stephen king you know like it's it's really hard to make a right a career doing just that in terms of getting your foot in the door you know it's like we were saying earlier it's 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 just about showing up it's just about going and being places you know constantly doing the work constantly putting the work in front of Wherever it needs to go, wherever your work is, you know, being at book fest, being at, you know, uh, comic conventions, being at uh, bookstores and meeting writers and meeting people in the community and like opportunities I've found. Like I said, you know, all the opportunities I've had have come from, you know, you don't want to say meeting people because that sucks. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be like, yeah, hey, you just got to meet people and hope somebody opens the door for you. But it sort of is, but I think people are willing to open the door for people who see that you're around. They see that you're serious about this. Like I I have done it a number of times myself. Like I've seen like this person is invested. They're good. They're invested. They clearly want to do this. So I'm comfortable being like, Hey, I will introduce you to this editor. I will introduce you to here. I can you know, I've introduced people to my agent, whatever. And because I see the dedication that is essential is there and you do that, you know, it's not just nepotism. It's also confidence of the community. Like, okay, I believe this person's got what it takes, has that drive, has the passion and is good. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy putting them in front of people because they can handle it. Today's guest
0: is Vivian Lee. Vivian is the writer of Netflix's Cowboy Bebop. Lost in Space and the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance.
5: Just from my own personal experience, like I said, I, uh, I'm from Colorado. That's very far away from LA. How was I going to get there? I did internships. I um, This was back when NBC had their NBC Page program. And I just kind of stumbled upon it online and went, oh, if I apply to the NBC Page program in Burbank, California, that gives me an excuse to go to LA. You know, I can work. I can. Be around people in the industry. I think the my husband's a writer. He came from in a different way, but for my trajectory, it was, you know, you have in order to be in this business, you have to surround yourself. You literally have to just all your friends have to be in this business. You have to become an assistant. You have to, you know, be a PA. I think you just come that's again that's how I I rose the ranks where I became a PA and then a writer assistant and a script coordinator for years and. I was just surrounded by writers, I was surrounded by executive producers and stuff, and I would also suggest that when you get those PA jobs and assistance jobs, that you, not in a cocky sort of way, but make your intentions known. You know, you, When you are introduced to people, I think a lot of people, and this is something that I, I look back in my own life, when people go, oh, what, what do you want to do? And you just kind of go, oh, I'm a, I'm a PA, I, I, I don't know yet. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer. But I couldn't say it because it felt so, it was like as if I told someone, oh, I'm in a band. Oh, really? Where do you play? Oh, I play in my parents' garage. It felt like it wasn't a real thing that people would laugh. But you have to, if you want to be a writer, you have to identify yourself vocally as a writer. Oh, I'm a PA on a, on a reality show, but um, I'm working on a script right now. I'm, I'm, I really want to be on a scripted show. And that's what I did. I suddenly started changing the way i introduced myself the way i talked Oh, because i was in reality shows as a pa forever and much like anything else in any other business once you're in a specific genre or specific type of show that's what you're stuck in so i was on reality shows for like five years and it's only people i knew were reality and i suddenly was like i can't do this this is not what i came to la to be so i started being like oh um yeah, I'm a rally show. Oh, do you want to be a rally producer? No, I want to be in scripted television. I want to be in scripted television. I want to be in scripted television. And you say that long enough, people in this industry, as much as people diss LA being cold and harsh and a bunch of people trying to rip your soul apart, there are a lot of good people out there too. There are a lot of people that will remember what a great worker you are, how hard, how you walked in with a smile on your face and you you know, you were handed something to go deliver at three o'clock in the morning and you did it without complaint. And they go, oh, what do you want to do? I want to be a writer. They will remember that because cut to, and that's exactly what happened to me, cut to, you know, a year later being on a reality show, someone, someone, a friend of mine that I worked with as a PA went, you know, there's a show called, this is going to date me, American Dreams on NBC. It's a scripted show. It's season three, I think they are going to do one more season. Do you want to be a PA on that show? And I went, absolutely. And it's someone just because simply I just said, I want to be on scripted television. So when you're starting off, just be cognizant of telling people what you want because there are people out there who will listen and if they can help you, they'll remember you and be like, oh, so-and-so wanted to be a writer. You know, I have a writer friend. Do you want to meet for coffee? Oh, you said you wanted to be a writer? Oh, you know, my uncle actually um, runs Modern Family. You want to go meet him? Like, those things will happen. But until you actually acknowledge that as your own identity, no one else is going to. No one else is going to say that for you. So that's my biggest thing.
0: Today's guest is Meryl Hagen. Meryl is an animation writer on Teen Titans Go, Harvey Birdman, Danger Mouse, Unikitty, Bunnicula, Magic School
6: Bus, and a ton of other stuff. I would say everyone's always asked like the first question i get from anybody who wants to be a writer is how do i get an agent (laughs) and that's the wrong question (laughs) the real question is to me like what is it you want to do like if you wanted to be like if you're like hey i want to be a sitcom writer or i want to be you know a dramatic i want to write like you know riverdale there's all sorts of different ways if you want to be an a writer of comedy the best way to do that is to be around the comedians and people who are doing it like i would say like go take classes at ucb go take you know at crownlings because those are the people who are getting hired as even in animation a lot of times as comedy writers i think an agent or manager can be helpful but like that's overlooking that's just like jumping a bunch of steps it's like what like the best way is just like personal connection people i've met that were like entertainment writers that went into writing and stuff like they've made all these connections with these showrunners and they were able to talk to them and stuff like that for for me i was extremely lucky because of you know my history of cartoon and adult swim like i was able to meet all these showrunners and studio heads and like when i transitioned to full-time writing like i was i had like a history you know at that point like a pretty deep history with people it's like anything, like, you build rela- it's relationship-based, I guess. Especially when writing can be hard, like, I'm kind of an extroverted introvert, like, I don't, <laughs> sometimes I don't want to go see people or interact with people, but, like, you kind of have to make yourself do it, like, that's you know, especially for people who want to be in animation, there's animation writer meetups, like, out the yin ying in LA, like, there's writer group meetups like, everywhere, like, those are the people who will help you, like, your friends, you know?
0: today's guest is Eric Haywood. Eric is a screenwriter for Power, Empire, Private Practice, Soul Food, and Relative Stranger. And he's also a director for Empire and Four of Hearts. This is
7: something that I had to learn for myself over the course of many years. And it sounds really cliche and simple, but it's really true, which is don't give up. And sort of the, the flip side to that lesson is if they could write it themselves, they would. They need writers. And by they, I mean, you know, networks and studios mm-hmm. and executives who tell you that you're not ready or you're not good enough or, or whatever. Not to say that they don't have helpful things to say in terms of feedback and giving notes on episodes and scripts. But for me, it all comes back to if they could write these fucking scripts themselves. They damn sure would. So,
8: so save some money. Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they need you <laughs> and they're never going to tell you
0: that. So you have to just sort of keep on fighting for your place at the table. Today's guest is Adrian McKinty. Adrian is an Edgar Award-winning Irish novelist and critic. His new book, The Chain, was recently named Amazon's best book of the month for July, sold to Paramount Pictures, and has been receiving positive reviews across the board and praise from lots of established authors, including Stephen King himself, Tana French, Don Winslow, and many more.
7: I totally would say this. Do not give up. I I was completely on the verge of giving up i 100 would have stopped writing for my plan was to stop writing for at least two years i have a feeling it would have been a lot longer um i have a feeling that once i'd stopped for two years it might have been three or four to get the juices flowing again um so i would say when things are looking dark i mean i we were literally infected from our house and things couldn't have looked more dark for me as, a, as an artist and someone as a dad trying to provide for my family. And I would say, look, hang in there as long as you possibly can. You know, there's a great philosopher and poet called Jennifer Hecht, and she has this wonderful phrase. And she says, like, just hang in there. You know, the, the, the earth will turn in its ellipse, and spring will come, and crocuses will come up. And if you can just hang in there, um, maybe good things will happen and maybe you'll get lucky like me.
0: Today's guest is David M. Boer. David is a comic book writer for Powerless, Alien Bounty Hunter, and IDW's upcoming Canto co-created by David, along with Drew Zucker. In addition to writing comics, David is a screenwriter and a lawyer living in Los Angeles.
9: I think I mentioned it earlier, but um, my one piece of advice to anybody is... in you know, it can be a challenge sometimes, but just be the kind of person that other people want to spend time with. And whether or not you're a great writer, a good writer, an okay writer, on your way up, trying to improve your craft, if you are the kind of person that other people like, they will help you get to where you want to be. Because nobody can do this on their own. I mean, there's, I guess, the one in a million person who can just write that book in isolation and have it go out there and just become a superstar. But most of us are just you know, trying to be out there and find the people we want to work with and just try to get that little bit, you know, move that little next step forward. And my experience has been, if you're the kind of person that other people want to see succeed, then um, it's just that much easier to get that next baby step forward.
0: Today's guest is Will Corona Pilgrim. Will is an American film writer, director, and comic book writer who is most notable for his work on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Comic tie-ins and the action horror short film, No Touching, he created with his colleague Adam Davis, starring stunt industry all-stars Zoe Bell and Heidi Moneymaker.
6: I mean, people take uh, professionalism for granted. I know it it sounds kind of like it's a no-brainer, but being able to... to hold yourself and, 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 you know, articulate what it is you're trying to do in a very humble and and collaborative manner. That'll never go out of style. You know, it's knowing that, especially with, with filmmaking, because filmmaking is radically uh, collaborative with how many people you're talking to at any given time, especially for the writers and, and for comic medium, I'd say it's the same. You know, you, you want to talk to every fan as if you're talking to your artist or you're talking to your editor, you know, it's, it's having that, nurturing and, and, and helpful and collaborative manner. I do think that, that is definitely what I've tried to do and I, I continue to, try to do, uh, strive to do, and I, I, I do think that would help a lot of people. Today's guest is Olivia Charmaine
0: Morris. Olivia is a TV executive and director of development, original scripted programming at the TBS Network. In 2019, Olivia received an executive shadow and act rising award Outside of the entertainment industry, Olivia has also dedicated herself to a lifelong pursuit of international exploration and service from Cuba to Spain and Ghana to Nicaragua.
10: I would say for aspiring writers, I would say make sure you have a rigorous process that almost mirrors a bodybuilder. Meaning, if you were a bodybuilder and you told me I don't go to the gym. I don't have nutritionist. I don't take protein. I don't take vitamins. That's basically when I hear writers saying, yeah, actually, this draft in my script is from 2013, and I don't have an updated draft, and I haven't been writing anything since. I think that there's a big difference between writing as a hobby and writing as a career and writing as a craft. And I think that to be a working TV writer, you have to be writing every day or you know at least have the output that someone that's writing every day has i think that's really important i think aspiring tv development executives my biggest piece of advice is know your taste because at the end of the day i give a lot of no's you know no I, I can't hire that person no i'm not buying that show but it's not just a no i have to really be able to articulate why and if i'm putting my stamp on something and my energy behind something as a yes i have to really be able to defend it from from top down. So I think really being able to not just know what you like and, and what you dislike, but understand why and being able to articulate it and relate it back to your specific brand is a skill that can be honed whether you're a development executive or not.
0: We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com writerexperience writer experience for your free audiobook.
11: The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James.
5: And I'm Lacey today.
11: And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do with the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. Lacey, do you still like being here?
12: Yeah, it's really great. <laughs>
11: <laughs> you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have Good podcasts, and podcasts like these. (laughs) You sound like a kidnapping (laughs) victim. You can find us also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com, along with other great shows. Check us out, and check them out, too. Thank you. Hell, Zane. Hell, Zane.
13: Hell, Zane.
0: Today's guest is David Gallagher. David is a comic book and video game writer for High Moon, Green Lantern, and Ubisoft's Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Breakpoint. He's also the co-founder of the storytelling studio Bottle Lightning and co-host of the podcast For the Love of Comics. Previously, David wrote the best-selling young adult series Only Living Boy, was an early pioneer of digital comics, developing projects for Marvel's Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man, as well as Box 13 the first comic designed specifically for the iPhone for comiXology, and served as a consulting editor for Attack on Titan, Sailor Moon, and Fairy Tale for Kadansha. David also has received multiple Harvey Award nominations and won the Best Online Comic for his work on High Moon for DC Comics. His current book is The Only Living Girl, and he continues to work on Ghost Recon Breakpoint for Ubisoft.
14: Be so good that they can't ignore you. So, like, work on your craft. 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 Work on your craft every day. Write every day. Get feedback every day. Work on your craft. Work on your craft. Work on your craft. Just become so good that when your material is ready to be submitted, that people can't ignore you because your work is that good. I do have one before I go. I have one piece of advice. Yes. That that I would like to share with people or the the book rather that transformed the way that I thought about writing professionally versus being an amateur was Lawrence Block's Telling Lies for Fun and Profit. Of all the books I've read about writing, of all the experiences and all the courses I've taken, that was the single best book and the way that it transformed my life as a writer was revolutionary. There was a chapter called Do It Anyway and it was all about how you have to give yourself permission to write a bad first draft because mm. the unwritten page isn't nearly as good. Like you can't work with nothing. So if you're not even willing to to sit down and put bad ideas on paper, then you can't edit it and make it better. So there's a really great opportunity. Just do it. Give yourself permission to write a bad first draft. Or uh, Megan Gantz, who wrote for Community and Modern Family, called it a spit draft or a vomit draft. Give yourself an opportunity to write something terrible. Because at least when it's terrible, you can still fix it. But if it's not written at all, and you're watching Good Omens, or you're watching Veronica Mars, or, you know, House Hunters, you're not actually working on your craft.
0: Today's guest is Carly Ray. Carly is a TV writer for HBO's upcoming Watchmen. Previously, she was also a writer for Westworld, The Leftovers, and Mad Men.
15: It can very much take longer than you think it will. You know, I, that's just... It's my favorite thing to say and I think because the very first time I said it like one of the first panels or something that I was invited to do I had people come up to me and they were so grateful to hear that I had been rejected. Ted scripts rejected by managers and agents it took me years to get a writer's assistant job that you know I had crappy day jobs and didn't know anybody in the business when I first got out here and so it you know I got a piece of advice when I was in grad school that I totally ignored which was, it will take longer than you think it will. And it just applies to so much, and I feel like it's my favorite piece of advice to repeat. Whether it's the script you think you want to sell, or the agent you're trying to get, or the job you're trying to get, it is okay and normal if it feels like it is taking an eternity to figure out how to break in.
0: Today's guest is Carlos Gifoni. Carlos is the writer of the upcoming Dark Horse comic book, Strayed, as well as Space Riders, Vortex of Darkness for Black Mask. He's also a video games producer who has worked on different video games and creative production roles for 14 years. And he's also a musician, label owner, and festival curator and organizer. You're going to fail a lot, (laughs) and that is okay. Uh, I had another pitch before Straight, actually, that didn't get picked up. And, um, you know, I applied to many jobs before I was able to get into video games. And I had to pitch Straight a lot, you know, for over six months before it got picked up. So, don't give up, you know, like just keep going, keep going, do it because it's something that you love to do, um, and do the best you can, you know, keep trying, keep getting better, and uh, eventually things will happen. But I think you need to be, you know, unstoppable and indestructible in a way, and be able to understand that, hey, you fall down, you learn from it, you get up and you keep going. Today's guest is Declan Shalvey. Declan is a comic book artist and a writer. He's the co-creator of Injection and Savage Town for Image Comics. His other projects include Moon Knight, Deadpool, and All-Star Batman with writer Scott Snyder. More recently, he also wrote and drew the Nick Fury post-prologue serial for Marvel Comics and also Return of Wolverine. He also hosts his own podcast called Tape Deck. This
16: always sounds trite, but it's like, just make comics. Just make them. And I'm sure it applies to, like, you know, if you want to write just write. I, I'm, I'm, I know that's been said a million times, but no one's just going to say, here's a job drawing comics. You've got to show you can do it. If you want to write them, it's the same thing. If you want to colour them, it's the same thing. So you've, you've just got to do the work. Um, I would say another thing, which I think is maybe a little bit more helpful, or immediately helpful, is um, start small. The amount of times you talk to, like say, a comic book somebody who wants to write comics, this idea, they want to find an artist because they have an idea for this 300-page graphic novel. And this, you know, the first thing I say to people, I'm like, how about three pages? Why don't you do? Why do write three pages and get somebody to draw that, or if you're an artist, draw three pages? And it's a small enough task where you can finish a project and go, okay. And you can you can look back at that and be very objective about whether it's good or it's bad. If you take on a massive project, I guarantee you, by the time you're halfway through it, you're going to be jaded, pissed off, frustrated with it, and quit. So you would have spent two years on something that you, don't, you didn't even finish. But if you can start small and build, it's like training. It's like if you wanted to be a, an athlete, you don't just run a marathon. You run a series of smaller ones and you build up a resistance and, and you build and build and build. So I would say start small, hit smaller targets, and let, the, let them build up and, and, and build up your endurance. Today's guest is Tom Holler. Tom is an associate
0: editor at Delray Books.
17: So this is going to sound a little bit like a cop-out answer, because it's not all that specific or actionable. Uh, But this really is kind of the one big thing, because this is the thing that when people tell me that they want to be an editor, and what can I do? you know, What's my advice for them to be an editor? This is the thing I tell them, and I think it works the same for writers, which is that getting into publishing as an editor, and getting published traditionally as a writer, is difficult. And can take a long time and can be hard. And there are always way more people who want to do it than people who will be able to do it. So there's always way more people who want to be editors than there are actual editing jobs. And of course, there's way more people who want to be published authors than there are books that are going to be published. It's just just how things go. So the thing that I always tell people is, A, you have to just be aware that that grind is probably going to happen. And so not to be discouraged, the first, second, third, fifth, 10th, 20th time that you know it doesn't work for you or doesn't pay off, or you get a rejection, or you sort of you get turned down for an opportunity, because that's just the nature of the publishing beast. And the way to think about it is if you stop pursuing it, well, that's one less person who's pursuing it. That that's the moment that someone else who says, Nope, I'm gonna keep going, or I'm gonna, you know you know, make a tweak or try something different or or whatever, that's the moment that that person then kind of gets a step forward because there's one less person they're competing against. So, uh, the other thing that I would tell writers specifically is, um, you know, don't just be like, okay, I'm quitting, quitting everything. I'm going to be a writer and that's just it. Um, because uh, I know most writers and many writers who, in fact, writing is not their full-time job, because making a living as a writer full-time with no other um, income streams, with no other um, jobs or careers, can be very challenging, particularly in starting out. The chances that you're going to get an advance of a crazy amount of money that lets you just do nothing but write all day is pretty low. And the number of writers who, who get to that point is is not that many, and it often takes many writers a long time to become essentially career authors where they can quit another job or put aside any other uh, jobs that they might have and just say, yep, all I do every day is write and get published, and, and, and that's what I do. So I think while that can be more challenging because it means that you're dividing your time between writing and doing everything else, it's a smart thing to do, um, and it's something that you should really kind of go into your career as a writer and building your career as a writer thinking about that you're going to need some sort of thing to help augment you in terms of being able to help pay for your rent and pay for your food and pay to take care of you while you are working on becoming a writer. And that the first time that someone says great, we want to buy your book is not the time to walk into your other job and say, "Peace out everyone, I quit" because that could end up being disastrous since there's no guarantees that, you know, you're going to get published forever and ever and that your book is going to sell millions of copies and make you tons of money. So That would probably be the the thing because I've definitely heard of some writers who like they get their first advance and they actually just quit their job. And I've definitely sat around with some publishing friends and heard stories about that. And everyone who works in publishing just looks at each other like, oh my gosh, why would they do that? So don't
0: do that. Today's guest is Rob Ackerman. Rob is a playwright whose plays include tabletop, which won the 2001 Drama Desk Award for Best Ensemble Performance, Volley Girls, which won the New York Musical Theater Festival. Best in Fest, Call Me Waldo, Dropping Gumballs on Luke Wilson, directed by Teresa Rebeck and produced by Working Theater at Art New York Off-Broadway, and Loyalty, which has been optioned by Without a Net Productions to be produced at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. He has also been the property master for the Saturday Night Live film unit for over 25 years.
18: Do you really want to do this? Do you love this with your whole heart? I mean, are you willing to fail and fail and fail? And I hope you are. I really, really hope you are because, first of all, you know, when you come to a big chasm jump, it's not that far to the other side. Just do the thing. Fail. Fall on your face. If you do it a bunch of times, you really get to like it. You get to be into it. And so I guess what I'm asking you, prospective writers, is um, please, you know, Please keep trying. Please don't give up. And know what it's like when it's working. Get, get a sense. Listen, listen, listen. It's a matter of listening really hard. And are you willing to listen for years as you figure out um, how to do this? It, you, gotta really, you, you really do have to uh, have to wait it out. It takes a while unless, unless you're like preternaturally gifted, which no one is. Man. Not e- I mean, even Lin-Manuel, it took him years and years in a basement before he was able to Get to be the super famous, you know, Hamilton-writing Lin-Manuel. Are you willing to be that patient? And I hope, really, really hope that you are. It's the most, for me, the most important lesson of my life was patience.
0: Today's guest is Murr from Impractical Jokers. Murr is also a best-selling writer and co-author of the novels Awakened and The Brink with Darren Wearmouth. You can see him on Impractical Jokers, Season 8, every Thursday night on True TV, along with his friends, the comedy troupe Tenderloins. And his latest thriller, The Brink, is on sale now.
8: I wish I knew in my 20s what I knew when I eventually got a job in development, but uh, which is that companies live or die on ideas. So all these imaginary barriers of entry for you that, oh, how do I get them to pitch a co- production company, this, this, and this? Those are non-existent because they, they need your ideas. That's the first thing. I wish I understood that in my 20s. Second, There has to be an audience for an idea. If if you write in a vacuum and have no idea whether it's a marketable, sellable idea, you know, I I don't write kind of high you know, literary books. I I, I write stuff that is exciting to read. I write stuff that is very, very, very marketable. Like it's just, you can't put the book down. You know, not so much like Pulp Fiction, but it's it's there. It's very immensely readable. The idea there is that. It's a combination of stuff that's really compelling. That you're creating stuff that's really compelling, but also it's volume of work too. In TV development, it's a numbers game. So uh, you know, my first uh, my first year in uh, running development for a TV company, my boss at the time would insist that I pitch 25 new television show ideas every Friday. So every week, I had to create 25 new shows and pitch them. And the idea there is that your first thousand ideas suck. It's your thousand and one idea that's actually unique and different in a novel and that's the one you'll actually sell the lesson there is that it's not just quality it also is a, a numbers game so like why am I pushing so hard to sell lots of books and then, now we have five that they'll be coming out in the next literally the next 18 months the reason is it's not just the quality of the book and how exciting it is and engaging it is it's also the quantity you have to be you have to become a force that is like okay this guy can create this girl can create they they are creators they are they're marketable and they're, their ideas are, are sellable. And, the, and you know, it helps coming in with a package too. So you come in not just like what I bring to the equation is not just my development background, but I bring my, my audience to the background, to, to, the, to the table too, right? The Joker's fan base. And that's real. So, you know, grow your fan base, create a lot of stuff, make it good and, uh, and start pitching it.
0: Today's guest is Matthew Dodonna. Matthew is a nonfiction book editor at Day Street Books. He's also a writer with bylines in UpRocks, A.M. New York, Outside Magazine, Fast Company, and more. And he's also the co-host of the Kill Genre NYC series in New York City. It's trite, but just just right. And try to get off talking about writing and
3: talking about the industry and worrying about who you know. And I think there's a lot of noise on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And there's a lot of kind of posing that happens in the scene, the literary scene. And I think young people aspire to meet a lot of people and go to these parties and know these editors. But all of that is lost if you're just not writing your best stuff. And so I would say, you know, set aside time each day to write. Not just say you're going to write, but actually do it. And allow yourself to write bad stuff. Allow yourself to experiment in different forms, take on different voices. I think that's really important.
0: Today's guests are Benji Sammet and Dan Hernandez. Benji and Dan are the screenwriters of Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. They're also the writers and producers of One Day at a Time, The Tick, and other cult classics.
19: It definitely sounds cliche, but the first thing that, that pops into my head is like don't stop, like don't give up. So many people that I've seen along the way, like you never know how long it's gonna take to have that big break and you never know what that big break is going to look like. No, there's no one path that can ever be copied, uh, and you know, recreated exactly the same. And so I've seen so many people that like, it doesn't happen to them the way it happens to someone else. And so they stop doing it and they find something else that's more comfortable. Like you sort of have to live in that discomfort for as long as it takes. The people I've seen make it are the people, Like, yeah, they have talent, but I wouldn't say necessarily everyone that I've seen make it is the most talented of everyone. It's the people that stuck with it and like, you know, took those rejections, learned from them, kept going and, you know, decided that, no, there's nothing else I can do. You know, if you feel like there's something else that you could be doing instead, then it might not be the career for you. but if you have that attitude of just like, oh no, I'm just gonna keep doing this until I get what I want, uh, that'll suit you well.
20: <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I, I would I, I tend to agree with that and I, I think the thing that I have been thinking about lately is I think the thing that separates people who are pretty good writers from people who I, I think are great writers um, and maybe some of the most successful writers is I. I really do think that you have to cultivate your love of storytelling and writing in a real way. Um, a lot. I think it is a bit of a cliche to say that writers hate writing, and I have never felt that way. I have never felt that way. I am actually, frankly, skeptical of people who do feel that way a little bit. Not because it's easy. Of course, it's not easy. But I think that really learning to derive pleasure that, that you can from writing is going to make you have a better career and make you make more interesting product. I think that there are a lot of people who are very smart and very clever and who are, in fact, good writers, but maybe don't love telling stories and maybe don't really care that much about the impact that their work might have or, or the legacy that it could have and, and, and maybe who wouldn't even be making creative work in a vacuum left to themselves you know for me i wrote stories for many years that no one has ever read no one ever will read but i just there were certain ideas i just had to get out and had to express just to make to just to have the satisfaction of seeing them from nothing to something and if you can really learn to value the pleasure of going from something that's in your brain to something that can be printed out and handed to someone and say, hey, I, I did this, that's going to serve you really well, rather than saying, well, I'm pretty funny, so I should be a, a comedy writer. Or I'm a journalist who, who isn't making enough money doing journalism, so I'm going to transition into writing. I, I think that maybe there are people that embody what I'm talking about, but I think that there are a lot who don't. And I don't think that those people are going to be in it for the long haul. So I would say cultivate the passion for your work if you can. And if you can't, consider if you're actually passionate about it.
0: Today's guest is Emily Settle. Emily is an associate editor at Swoon Reads and Will and Friends, which are both imprints of Macmillan.
12: Don't hold yourself to a timeline for success, if that makes sense. So I know we always hear about, you always hear about like the huge, like six, seven figure deals that a 20 year old has gotten for their fantasy trilogy or something like that. And, or you hear, you really, you, you hear more about, like this the really like meteoric successes, and you hear a lot less about like really the quiet ones and but there's so many more of those, and I think a lot of writers feel feel pressure to you know get a book published you know before they have a family or before they're too busy with their job or before they're thirty or for whatever reason it's different for everyone but I gotta tell you i've I've acquired books from an author who was 18 and I have acquired books from an author who didn't publish her first book until she was in her sixties. It's, there's just no timeline for it. You can, you can write your entire life and you know, your success will find you it's when it's right. It's not, it's not the same for everybody. Um, so that's, I would definitely want a writer to understand that, that their, your story is different. Your life is different. It'll, your timeline does not have to match anyone else's.
0: Today's guest is Kate Hart. Kate is a literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency, as well as a YA author herself.
21: Find a good critique partner or group and treasure them like gold. Your critique group, your critique partner is your, not only your sounding board for your work, and you want ones that you continue to work with because they will get to know your voice and, and your and your brand. They will know you and they will know how you how your brain operates when you put together a manuscript and be able to help, you know, keep you on track if your plot goes off in the wrong direction or the characters aren't working the way that they should. But they're also your cheerleaders when you're you know, in a low spot or something that can go the way you would hope and sort of just your sounding board for everything. It's the to kind of airing dirty laundry on social media, which happens, um, your critique group and your critique partner, that's, that's your sounding board so that everything, you know, you can keep more of a professional on the, in the social media in the fate, you know, out facing world. But, You have someone that you could pour your grievances into, or listen when you need that. So that's my advice: have a great and a great critique group.
0: Today's guest is Emily Roberson. Emily is an author. Her YA debut, "Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters," a retelling of the Greek myth of Theseus and the Minotaur with a reality TV show twist, launches this Tuesday, October twenty second.
13: Don't be so scared. I wasted a lot of time. Not showing my work to people because I was worried about what they would say. And what I've realized is that, first of all, the 20 year old me wasn't wrong. Like, people would say, like, oh, the thing you've written is, you know, fluff or whatever they would say. Like, the things that the people I was afraid to show work to would say, they would have said. But what I didn't understand is that just because the loudest voice in the room is saying something that's dismissive of your work. Number one, it doesn't mean that your work isn't worth something. And number two, it doesn't mean that there isn't someone else in the room that's going to say, Oh goodness, like this is incredible. This is exactly what I want. And so I was wasting a bunch of time worried about what a very specific kind of gatekeeper would say about me and my work without realizing that like I don't actually care that much because that's not the person I wrote it for. Like the idea of identifying who's your target audience. If your target audience is people who love epic fantasy or rom-coms or whatever, you don't have to care what, you know, Mr. High Serious Literary Fiction or Miss High Serious Literary Fiction thinks of your work and you don't have to change it to meet that standard. And so I think really bring myself up to let my I think we let fear keep us from doing a lot of stuff. The fear that things are too strange or the fear that things are too, you know, someone won't like it, those kinds of things. Like, yeah, someone won't like it. I guarantee. There will be a whole bunch of people that don't like it. You're not writing for them. You're writing for the people that do like it.
0: Today's guest is Catherine Ladone. Catherine is an associate editor at Simon & Schuster Books for young readers, as well as an author herself.
21: Don't waste time. Um, (laughs) As an aspiring author, you could work forever on that one project and never actually Pitch it at some point. Don't waste the time. If you put in the work, trust your work and just put it out there and let someone read it. And same for an editor, too, uh, or, you know, an editor rising through the ranks. Seize the day, seize every opportunity,
5: because um, with each new project, you're going to get better and better at what you
21: do.
0: Today's guest is Graham Manson. Graham is the co creator and executive producer of the acclaimed and award winning television series Orphan Black and the showrunner for the upcoming Snowpiercer. Previously, he was a television writer for rent The Bridge, Flashpoint, and Being Erica, and co-wrote the film Cube. He's now developing a television show, whatever, Linda.
2: I would go back to something I touched on before, which is this sort of somewhat horrible dichotomy that writers have about, particularly screenwriters, about having to be solitary to get the work done and then having to be social to get the work appreciated or fed back on or made. So as early as possible, I would urge writers to not be precious with what they're writing to show your shit, find that group of people who you trust and can laugh with about your struggles and uh, how bad things are in what you feel is, you know, when you have your, when you're feeling insecure about your own writing, feeling insecure about job prospects, find that community that feeds back and supports.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.